The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our real estate agent in the state of Florida. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in. No Quarter Given podcast. Fortunately, we have to report it is a losing edition of the No Quarter podcast as the Buccaneers fall to the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football 25 to 11 to fall to 2 and 1 as the Eagles move to 3 and 0. Oh. I'm your host Jason along with my man Peter Blake. Welcome in Mr. Blake. What's going on buddy? How you doing? Well, could be better. We could be 3 and 0 oh in the toast of the NFC, but right now we kind of got I won't say we got humble pie, but we kind of got a little bit of a reality check of where that where the team is. I think the Bucks are still going to be a competitive team and a good team, but they're probably not the upper echelon of the NFC yet uh, through three weeks. But uh, give give Philadelphia credit; they came in here, took care of business, and really showed their physicality both on the offensive and defensive lines. No, I agree, and uh, that was the big thing with uh, you know the Bucks and their offensive line. You know, could that interior handle it? Could they open up consistent holes for the run game? Uh, could they keep the pressure off of Baker? All those answers, no, not a chance. In fact, it was uh, at halftime, they had 87 total yards of offense. So an ugly, ugly, not only ugly night offensively, ugly night weather-wise there for a little bit. It did clear up for the post game, but besides that, and then you see a little bit of uh, fourth quarter magic, but that's about it. That's about it for that team. Not saying the Bucks could have won the game, but there were some missed opportunities in the game. There were a couple of key pivotal plays we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But there were some opportunities that if they make those plays, the game is a much tighter game, much deeper into the game than it ended up being. And uh, also, I think you saw a little bit, and we'll talk about this as well, you saw a little bit of the youth of Dave Canales as the play caller, a couple of situations that I don't think he handled great. Um, and I think he'll grow from. And I think, every, you know, you heard Todd Bowles in his post game and his, in his lead into this week's game with New Orleans kind of address that today with uh, concerning Dave Canales. But um, overall, you were you were in the building. Give me a sense of what the what the fan breakdown was. Eagles to Bucks fans sound like there was a lot of Eagle fans in the building. Give us give us the update there. Oh, it's Philadelphia South. That's what it sounded like. Uh, lots of green, I would say 60-40 uh, Philly fans. And then once the game ends, you start to hear fly, Eagles fly. I mean, right. kind of embarrassing. I understand it. You you live in, in a state where there's a lot of people from the north. It's a transplant state, transplant sports fans that are down here. But somewhat disappointing in the lower bowl. Also, you know, usually those are season ticket holders for the Bucks. Uh, those were Philadelphia Eagle fans. So you kind of wonder if some of those Bucks fans decided, you know what, I didn't want to see this, so I'm going to sell my ticket for as high as I can. I'm not going to spend the gas money. I'm not going to spend all that time and, and get the profits, which is 
I understand it, but it's kind of disappointing to say the least because that's supposed to be your home field advantage. And on Monday night, it was not a home field advantage. It was Philly South. And it's a tricky spot for Buck fans. I mean, I'm not making excuses, but it's a, it's a work night for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to be there till 12, 12, 30, 1 o'clock before you get home. You got kids and all that stuff. And are, are the Buccaneer, is the Buccaneer faithful truly a believer in this team after two weeks? I mean, that was the other part of this. A lot of people thought Philadelphia was going to be the better team. They ended up being the better team. And people think, are the Bucs for real? And this, like you mentioned, this is a chance to make a profit on their tickets. You're going to have a lot of Philly fans coming down for the weekend or that are already here in the Bay Area. There's an opportunity to make make a little money. Not justifying it, but that's that's definitely a factor for people. Well, of course it is. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't see Browns fans do this. You wouldn't see Philly fans do this. You wouldn't see Green Bay fans do this. So, this goes out to the fan base. If you're true fans, you know, you got to support this team. I get it. You know, there's some question mark because of the teams they beat or a combined 0 and 6 or something. But still, you got to play your games. That's their schedule. Uh, and it's a primetime matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles on Rondé Barber night. Yeah. Uh, it was great for Rondé Barber at halftime to say, you know, thanks a lot for, for you all, you Philly fans, coming out and seeing me in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a cherry on top of the cake for Barber and his career and, and the hatred by Philadelphia Eagle fans. But it seemed like they kind of respected him. So that's a good thing. All right. We got to give the fans an update here. Peter was in Peter was credentialed again. Another mm-hmm. credential. How many yeah. plates at the how many plates in the press box this time? Well I got there late, so I didn't get a chance Peter, to why you keep getting to these games late, bro? Listen, listen now. Don't lose Come your mind. Come on. I actually had to do a remote with JP at the patio. We didn't get okay. to until six. I had to pack everything up. Probably the fastest pack job of all time. 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> pack up all the stuff, the speakers. But when you hit traffic at the. Now you got to fight that traffic. I agree. Coming yeah. from the patio. Right. So you come from the patio, go there, get your parking spot. Then I'm loading all this equipment on my cart, which, you know, is still a pain in the ass. And then you get out there, and uh, they don't necessarily have your credential ready because everybody else went and gone. And by the time you get there, and I got there probably, shoot, about 7.45, 7.50, I'm getting there. There's nobody giving me a credential, so I had to wait around, finally get a credential, get into the press box, eat some pork loin. Uh, I didn't eat lunch at the patio, so I had about three plates. And then <laughs> I also had dessert, of course, uh, you know what I'm talking about? What is it called? Uh, but what is it? Um, you but, tell me, man. I don't get to eat. I don't eat. I don't get to eat with the rich people up there in the press box, man. I, 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 got, I got to pay for my food. Banana. Uh, what is it? Bananas Foster. Oh, okay. So okay. Good. So good at halftime. Yeah, I love being credentialed. It's great. All right. So the Bucks lose twenty-five to eleven. A couple factoids for you, courtesy of Paul Stewart and BuckPower.com. We are part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. So go to all go Buck Power for all these little nuggets. Paul dropped these uh, nuggets on us. The first time in Buccaneer history that they ever scored 11 points in a game, Peter Blake. 11 points. First time in history there. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in NFL history, first time ever in the 100-plus years of the NFL that a game ever a game ever ended twenty five to eleven too. That's How about amazing. That? And I tell you right now, I feel like and there's my sound. You know what I did? I adjusted something. It's amazing what that what happens when you you don't don't mess with technology. Adjust some buttons. There's now I can kind of hear myself again. You're exactly right. And it could have been far worse. I felt like 
the Bucs and their defense with all the injuries kept them in this game. They, in fact, stopped Philly on fourth down. I remember hearing that outside yeah, the yeah. stadium. It was a roar. So they stopped them. They called some turnovers. You know, Devin White is 100%. Maybe Vita Vey is 100%. No, they weren't 100%. Uh, no, they were not 100 So, I mean, yeah, I feel like, and uh, my co-host said this tonight, Harry the Greek, if these teams meet again, line them up, he feels like the Bucks would beat the Philadelphia Eagles. He doesn't believe that they're an upper echelon team in the NFL. I don't necessarily believe that. I think they're improved from last year. They got younger and better, and you saw that on display mm-hmm. on Monday night. But with all that being said, Again, there was missed opportunities in that first half where the Bucks could have made that a game. So that 25-11 score, it could have been far worse, but actually that could have been a close game. It could have been. Yes. Let's, let's get into the missed opportunities first half. So obviously the Bucs, uh, Philly, Philly drives down the field on the first drive. They, the Bucks come up with a huge stand on fourth and two. Didn't like the play call by Philadelphia to run up the gut, but give the Bucs credit. They, st- they stoned it, stopped them on fourth down. We end up putting the ball back. They kick a field goal to go up 3 nothing. First big pivotal moment in the game. The Bucks drive back down the field. A couple of nice completions. A couple of decent runs. Baker Mayfield's a touch late on the throw to Mike Evans, but it's a throw that still gets there to Mike, and Mike probably ought to catch it. He'd probably admit he probably should catch that ball nine times out of ten. He doesn't catch it and end up having to kick a field goal. Ends up being 3-3. Your thoughts on that, On the again, a touch late by Baker, but it's a ball Evans probably still can catch more no, times I, than not. I definitely saw that. It looked like Sidney Brown, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, got into the way of it, but it was a catch. And it already got to Evans' chest before Brown got his hand in there. And if again, if you want to be a $25 million wide receiver, and I do think Mike Evans is that, and I believe the Bucks should pay him, but these are the type of catches week after week. And I said this on my show in the post game where we talked to our friend Drew Felios. And he said, you know what? I'm not sure Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer yet because of this type of play right here. We've right. seen throughout his career. And I get it. Wide receivers drop passes. It's bound to happen. But at that critical time, you've got to make that catch. You're exactly right. If you want to be a primetime player, you want to be paid in a, a contract extension, You've got to make that catch because it changes the momentum. Instead of 3-3, you're 7-3, seven seven three. Three, and right. you're feeling good at that point against the Eagles. So, so mid-second quarter, it's a defensive game, 3-3, three, three, mid-second quarter. The Eagles drive, and the Bucks multiple times during this game, especially on that drive, they're a split second away from getting to, to Hurts. The ball he throws that just over the fingertips of Jamel Dean. As soon as he throws the ball, he gets lit up in the side of the ribs. Again, the Bucks are half a step too late on getting the pressure on him. Give 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 uh, Hurts credit. A perfect throw on the crossing route to Zacchaeus for on the, about the thirty-five yard touchdown. You can debate did Jamel Dean's angle not great, but I mean Jamel Dean missed tipping that ball by literally two inches. If you saw the TV replay, I mean he was you know a fingertip away from t- tipping that ball. Bucks Bucks go down 10-3. Baker then comes back and throws the interception. Not a good interception. That's kind of old Baker Mayfield, which we can't have. And again, that's the, probably the first ball all year he's thrown that you think, man, that's just terrible. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you go back to Dean. He hasn't necessarily played that well ever since he got that contract extension. And in fact, he's kind of underachieved. So he's right there in the area. You see it. I'm right there by JP. And he's like, I can't believe he didn't make that interception because you thought – and you're exactly right. They had him dead the rights. He's able to escape. 
He ain't like Justin Fields. He gets out of that pocket. He's looking downfield. He's yep. going to make a play. He yep. made a couple big plays to really make that Bucks defense pay. And then going back to Baker, he was late on that throw. He was late. He had Chris Godwin open. He was wow. late. The safety read his eyes. The safety made the play, but he was late on that throw. You had to throw that much sooner if you're going to make that play. Yeah, and then again, 10-3, they, 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 they fumble. We end up intercepting a ball uh, late in the half. They, he throws the ball right to Devin White. Again, situation where you give Devin White credit for playing. He, you know he's not 100% with the groin injury. He didn't decide he didn't want to take on Jalen Hurts. He kind of runs out of bounds. I'm not going to kill him for that because if he's hurt, he, I mean, if he's laboring a little bit, you know, he's laboring a little bit. I mean, we, we didn't have a great camera angle to see. Did he have what he could have potentially done is maybe waited for a DB and pitched the ball to one of those guys. But you can't you can't kill Devin White for doing that. The Bucs still had 40 seconds to move the ball in the field goal range. They weren't able to do that. So they intercept the ball. They end up not catching another interception late in the – right before the Devin interception that Dean could have caught for – would have prevented the field goal to make it 13-3. to They don't make that play. Uh, the Bucks down 13-3 to at the half. Well, not only that, but uh, Rashard White gets cold cocked by Jalen Carter. He fumbles the ball. Yep. Yep. The Bucks have the ball. Then White fumbles the ball. Then uh, the Eagles get it back. You're exactly right. You have to make that interception. You miss out on the interception. Another missed opportunity. It's 13 to three. And even with all that being said, because the Eagles are out gaining the Bucks right. over 200 yards to 87, you're still in the game. Yes. You still feel like you have a chance. But there were missed opportunities out there that if you take advantage of it, you beat this Eagle team and you didn't do it. And that that separates you from being good and great. And right now, the Eagles are one of the great teams in the National Football League. I still think the Bucs can get there, but you have to capitalize on those opportunities, especially uh, when you get them. Because if you don't, and you give that second chance to Jalen Hurts in that offense, again, they're going to make you pay. And also, you got to get healthy. I know you can't control it because it's a part of the game. But think about it, Jason. You have Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. You pay those guys top dollar, and they're both hurt. Jamel Dean goes out later on in the game. What if those two guys are healthy? What if Devin White is healthy? I feel like you have a better opportunity to win this game, don't you? No, 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 no doubt. You got to have, you got, I mean, again, remember the Bucs have so many undrafted free agents that made the roster. They're $80 million in dead money. So you're having to play these younger guys. We saw the effects of having to play the DBs, the young DBs in the second half, which we'll get to in a minute. The, maybe it is a good thing the Bucks have a bye coming up in week five after this New Orleans game, because then you can get everybody an extra week. That's the, that's a, you know, people don't like early buys, but this is probably a good time for the Bucks to have a bye after this New Orleans game. All right. Lack of a running game, no inability to run the ball. Again, give more. I would say give more credit to the Philly defensive line. They are that good, and the Bucks just got out physical. I mean, I hate to say it, we we you and I have talked about Hainsy and Cody Malk. Are they strong enough on the interior to open up the lanes to give to give Rashad White some opportunity to to run? And Rashad White's got to stick his head in there a little more. He can't be dancing. He can't be. The holes aren't going to be big right now. You got to stick your head in there and get three yards. You're not going to break off the eight and twelve yard runs a whole lot. When when there's three yards to be had, stick your head down and get three yards. There's like three players on Pro Football Focus, and they got low grades on that interior line. You're talking about Hansy. You're talking about. Matt Filer, 
Uh, you have the rookie there, and you have Luke Gedeke. Uh, You know, those guys, that's a big-time question coming into this year. Tristan yep. Wirfs has been tremendous yep. at left tackle. You barely heard anything from him, like a two quarterback pressures, I think, for the whole year so far. So those guys got to step up. And if they don't step up and that running game is not there right now, you're averaging 2.8 yards a carry. That yeah. is not going to get it done. You're 27th in the NFL. You're going to have to make some changes eventually if it doesn't work out. This offensive line has to play better, and it starts on Sunday versus, you know, a, a, a tough Saints defense that prides themselves on stopping the run. But this is where you got to take advantage of it. And I believe, and I think that the Bucks want to be what the Philadelphia Eagles were the other night. And in order to do that, you're going to have to play better on the interior line, and it starts up front. And it wasn't there on Monday night. It wasn't. And I, and I would say this. I think you could probably, from a Dave Canales perspective, a little more creativity in the running game. I you we've not seen a speed sweep. We've not seen any of that kind of, you know, reverse, any of that a shovel pass, things like that, just to help trigger a little bit of a running game. Not a whole lot of screens. You know, the, the, the screen game is kind of like an extended running play. So, make people that, you know, I want to see more Trey Palmer in the game. I know we're, we're trying to give Devin Topkins some touches. I want to see Trey Palmer. We know Devin Topkins is, is a good player. He's, he's fast, but – I want to see I want to see more Trey Palmer in the game, whether it's in the running game on a reverse or a speed sweep or in the passing game. I, that that's something I think we need to see a little more moving forward. And you could have seen Kate Otten on a screen, but instead of trying to catch the ball yep. and run with it, he's trying to run without catching the ball because he's got plenty of space in front of him on a screen play. Yep. You're exactly right, and you, you try to go to uh, White. On a short play, and he gets cold cocked by Jalen Carter. Good play by Carter. I, I can't kill Deb. I mean, J Rashad White. It's a great play by Carter from behind. Absolutely. So, again, if you want to be a physical team, it starts with the line. The line's going to play better, and hopefully they do. But they were definitely outmatched on Monday night by a Philadelphia Eagles team that, let's face it, has the best offensive line in the league for a reason. They've drafted that way. That's how they built their team. They're going to protect their quarterback. They're going to pound your face in, and that's the reason why they picked up DeAndre Swift in the first place in the offseason. They want to be a balanced attack. Yep. They want to be physical at the point of attack, and that's what the Bucs are trying to get to. And hopefully they can get to that, You know, because if they can get to that, we've seen that this team is going to be balanced. we got enough skill guys to compete. Completely. You do. You absolutely do. But you got to get to that point, and the Bucs are not there, and they weren't in, they weren't at that point in this game. All right, second half. So really in the second half, you saw that Jamel Dean left late first half. No Carlton Davis. You really saw the effects of D. Delaney, Pitts having to play a lot. So you really started, you know, Izzy. Obviously, Izzy's doing a good job, but the two corners were brand, were young guys, Delaney and Pitts. They're they're decent players, but they don't you don't need to be they don't need to be out there 30, 30 and 40 plays at a time. And in the second half, the Bucs really got gashed in the running game. Swift got going. That offensive line got revved up. And you see, you saw some big chunk runs, um, whether it was schematics or whether it was just physicality. They, they really piled up the rushing yards. The Eagles run for 201 yards in the game, five yards a carry with, on 40 carries. A.J. Brown goes go, gets busy in the second half, ends up with 130 yards receiving. So just a total balanced effort by the Eagles, both running and passing. And uh, if you have to see that tush push anymore, I think I'm going to scream because it's well, it's un it's unstoppable. It is, it, it, and I don't know. And the Bucks did a pretty good job actually stopping it. I mean, other than the goal line one where they had to do it twice, they actually did a pretty good job in you know neutralizing that with Veda with Vita in the middle there. 
I guess my question is, does the NFL look at this and say, you know what, this is an unfair advantage. Should we outlaw this where an offensive lineman is not pushing the quarterback into the line or into that one or two yards? Do you think they look at that eventually? At the end of the year, not not during the year, end of the year kind of deal. Here's the one thing that they really have tried to outlaw that they didn't call. They, they don't mind the pushing part, but what they don't want is they don't want gra- guys grabbing them and pulling them. Yeah. There was one play where Goddard grabbed Jalen Hurts and basically pulled him into the end zone. That's the stuff that should be called by the officials. The pushing part's okay. It's the grabbing the guy's jersey and yanking him in the end zone that's that's outlawed, but it has to be called by the officials. And by the way, how about their, how about them missing the the clear cut false start on Lane Johnson in the first half? I mean, that was as egregious as it comes. Well, it's a Euro step. That's what I learned in the press box. I mean, it's a James Harden Euro step, you know, travel third step there with LeBron. You can't miss that in the NFL as a referee. You can't. You can't. You can't. And they miss that. You miss that call. I mean, what are your ref friends doing there? Do they know? The can't miss that one. I, I I defend them, but you can't miss that call ever. I tell you another thing that was disappointing. You're on the goal line there. Dave Canales is your play caller, and. I think you would have to say the last two games he's done a pretty good job. But what I don't understand here is you're running the ball knowing that there's 10 men in the box. Can you pass the ball? Because as soon as uh, they know run is coming, of course, that's when the safety happens. Because there's 10 men in the box. They're expecting it. This is where Dave Canales has to be more creative. Or this is Todd Bowles saying to Dave Canales, we're going to. Throw the ball here. Throw the ball. Throw the ball here. Yeah. And and you didn't do it. And of course it led to a safety. And of course, yeah, 10 men in the box, Jason. And the reason why there was 10 there was 22 guys within three yards of the ball was because the Bucks initial formation, they had wideouts. And before the pre-snap, they brought those guys in tighter to the formation, which brings all the Eagle guys in tighter. You had 22 guys within two yards of the ball. I mean, you, you can't do that. You that's where you have to throw the ball out of the end zone. Sure, people, the fans think it's risky, but that's really not a risky throw, really, more times than not. That's really an easy throw because you know Philadelphia's selling out against the run. Exactly, and maybe you get some big plays because they are selling out. Maybe they yes. take chances. Uh, you just never know, but you got to try, and that's uh, you know that's a that's a, a young play caller at that point. Again, I don't know if Canales had the power or if Todd Bowles said, you know what, we're going to run the ball here. Yep. Very conservative and unlike Dave Canales. That's and I think he'll, I think Dave will grow from this. I think this is a, that was a learning experience for him. Okay. I think he, he's doing fine, but it, you know he's a young guy. It's the first time he's he's been the guy in charge of calling every single play. So I think he'll he'll learn from this, and I think he'll be better. Uh, a couple more notes, and we'll get we'll we'll wrap it up the uh, the game here. Um, special teams they give a lot of they gave up a lot of punt return yards. Three returns for 81 yards. Not, not again. The Bucks were great in the first two games. Camarda, you you call him the punt god, but sometimes he punts it too far. You know, you want more hang time, less distance, because when you punt it 60 yards in the air, four second hang time, that guy's going to get a, a good running start on the return. And you got, and we, we didn't do a great job covering the kicks. Well, they even asked about this. You know, do you want him? Did he out punt the coverage? And the and I believe the coach said at the time, no. He we want him to punt the hell out of the ball. Well, and there, there's a fine line between hang time and distance. And marrying those two together. Okay, fair enough. Well, you, you're the kicker guy. I'm so the punter. Yeah, trust me when I tell you that. I'll, I'll I'll trust you on that. But he's been very impressive. Whether he's out he of coverage or not, that guy can just straight up kick. He's been one of he was one of the lone bright spots uh, on Monday. Yep. Night.
So yeah, no doubt. All right, couple stats as we wrap up the wrap up the 25-11 loss to the uh to the Eagles. Four, 44th time in Levante David's career that he's had 13 or more tackles in a game. 44 times. That's you know, that's Buck Ring of Honor worthy right there. I mean, just how, how consistent he's been as a productive linebacker. I think he's Hall of Fame worthy. I don't think he gets enough respect. I don't think he gets enough pub because he's played for so many losing teams. And after he won the Super Bowl, people should take notice because he's right up there with Bobby Wagner. He's right up there with Luke Keekley. And if you feel like both of those linebackers are Hall of Fame worthy, then David should be in that conversation. I think he's just short personally, but I think he's in. He'll he'll be on he'll be on a ballot. He'll he might get to the semifinals. I don't think he gets there personally, but I he's a hell of, he's a hell of a player, no doubt. Tremendous yeah. career. I mean, again, the statistics are there, the stats are there. He's won a Super Bowl. He has nothing left to prove. I mean, is it his fault they had so many bad teams around? No, him? of course not. And and I tell you right now, he was another lone bright spot because the run fits, and even Todd Bowles said it. And you look at the film. Devin White, man, I, I know he's hurt, but oof. wow, <laughs> wow, just lost. Two picks for the Bucks, uh, two more interceptions, five interceptions, puts them second in the league in interceptions with five through three weeks. Their plus five turnover margin. Remember, they were two, they were even this week. They had two turnovers, and they 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 got two turnovers. They're second in the NFL at plus five in the turnover differential league wide. Which, if you keep up that pace, that's going to lead to a lot of wins. That is a key stat that leads to winning is that turnover margin. Agree, and that's the one thing the Bucks defense and Carlton Davis just talked about a couple months ago how they were going to wreck this and wreck that, and they're going to cause turnovers. So. Even without Carlton Davis, they're still causing turnovers, so that's encouraging. Hopefully, they can continue that. Yep. With the next matchup with a former quarterback, most likely is going to be starting for the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. And we're going to get you that preview in just a second. Remember, you're listening to No Quarter Given Podcast. Jason, along with Peter, we just recapped Bucks eagles We're going to listen to now our guy over, over across the pond, Mr. Paul Stewart. Buckpower.com. He's going to get, provide you a tremendous montage of the Bucks and Saints rivalry. When we come back after the montage, and, and we will preview Bucks Saints. Most likely, Jameis Winston. We're not for sure yet, but most likely, Jameis Winston in the Superdome Sunday, one o'clock. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Enjoy Paul Stewart's montage on the Bucks and the Saints. The Bucks and the Saints have now met 62 times, making New Orleans the most common opponent the Tampa Bay has ever faced. And last year, the Bucks swept the series, the second one being the most memorable of the Tom Brady era. Who can ever forget that the Bucks' first ever win was against the Saints after a horrific 0-26 start? Gary Huff threw a touchdown pass to Morris Owens, and they established a 13-0 lead before the defence took over. They had six interceptions on the day, three of which were returned for touchdowns, a feat emulated in the Super Bowl. Mike Washington had the first one early in the second half, followed by scores for Richard Batman Wood and defensive lineman Greg Johnson, who only ever played five times for the Bucks. This was also the game in which Archie Manning allegedly said it'd be a disgrace to lose to the Buccaneers when he found out what a disgrace it was, and his coach Hank Stram was fired afterwards. And this was also a game we featured on the Buck Power podcast, in which legendary Tampa TV host Dick Crippen joined myself and Dennis Crawford to fully review this memorable game. 
1987 game in the Superdome was Vinny Testaverde's first NFL start. It did not begin well as he fumbled his first two snaps, giving the Saints an early 14-0 lead. He did recover to throw for 369 yards, then a rookie record, 212 of them to fellow rookie Mark Carrier, also a franchise record for the Buccaneers at the time. They'll stay in this formation. They're going right. Here they go. First and goal at the one. Oh. Testaverde. Did he get in? Yes. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. The Saints don't like the call. 5.28 remaining third quarter. 38 to 10 Saints. Testaverde on first down. Throws deep. Touchdown, Tampa Bay, I do believe. Yes. Mark Carrier made a marvelous catch. The Bucks took some real hammerings in the early 90s, but there was the one game in which Chris Chandler somersaulted into the end zone before the defence allowed 35 unanswered points. John Gruden's first game in 2002 was an overtime loss to the Saints that ended when punter Tom Tooper tried to throw a left-handed pass and it was picked off by James Allen. But the 2005 season saw a division clinch by beating New Orleans, Dwayne White returning a fumble late in the game to send the Bucks into the playoffs. Now we have to show the 2001 home game in which Aaron Stecker, pride of the Scottish Claymores, almost had the first kickoff return for a touchdown. They'll be going to kick off. Aaron Stecker is deep. Frank Murphy out with an ankle injury. Stecker at the goal line. And he's tripped up, stays on his feet, fights his way up toward the 30, trying to bust loose. He does! Aaron Stecker may go! He's being chased by Fred Weary! Stecker inside the 20, down at the 14! <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have never in their history had a return for a touchdown. Aaron Stecker came oh so close. This one was 85 yards. The 2018 season opener was, of course, the day of Fritz magic, when Jameis Winston was suspended and Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for over 400 yards and the Bucks put up 48 points in a surprise win over the Saints. And, of course, we have the 2021 playoff victory, when Tom Brady led the Bucks on the way to the Super Bowl and the defence picked off Drew Brees three times in the process. Now, last season's home game was truly memorable. The Bucks were 16-3 down with three minutes left before Tom Brady completed on touchdown passes to first Kay Dotton and then Rashad White to give the Bucks a memorable victory. Brady, end zone, touchdown, Bucks. Kay Dotton. It's third down. Underneath and touchdown, Rashad White. game with the extra point to come and we will see if the Buccaneers can repeat the trick this Sunday against the Saints and you'll be able to read all about it on buckpower.com every player every game everything Bucks all right welcome back no quarter given podcast I'm Peter along with I'm not Peter I'm Jason along with you're Peter now I'm three plate three plate Peter and the (laughs) plus desserts up in the box (laughs) <laughs> hey man it's food it's free i got food. you man eat it yeah they, they can afford it the glazers can afford it man I love it eat I it absolutely love it and i skip lunch and i'm like what did i skip lunch for could i eat at the pattern i'm like oh yeah it's press box night so it means you can go up there and 
Before we do the preview, do, give me give us a little promotion of I know for those of you that don't know, Peter's the co-host of the JP Peterson show, along with JP Peterson, executive producer. I know you guys have a remote at the patio most every Monday night. Give a little pub. Yeah, the patio out there, um, McDill, uh, five to seven. Uh, we do the JP Peterson show. We take phone calls. We talk about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, your Tampa Bay Rays in a playoff chase right now. Playoffs. And, of course, uh, soon the Tampa Bay Lightning and all the NFL action, college football. It's a big Florida Gator hangout there. We we try to play the Florida State song as much as we can. Yeah, every Monday night at the patio, 5 to 7 on the J.P. Peterson Show. And Peter's spitting his game to all the ladies at the patio between commercial breaks. I, I'll tell you right now, I can't even do that because I am so focused and worried <laughs> on it. And I get out there sometimes. I get... I get off of work at one o'clock. I have to pack all my stuff up because I have to do the meetings in the morning for my first job uh, and they have to have that. And I got to pack all up, pack all up, put it in the car. It takes me about 50 minutes to get out there and I got to be, you know, ready to go. I did it the other day, about 45 minutes. So I was, I was out. How's the scenery? Good scenery at the patio. And it is unbelievable scenery. It's nice. I I like it to cool down just a little bit because we're right in the sun. We got my out there. Well, we we got a little. It's it, you got to come out there, Jason Powers, and check well, invite out. me, man. Get me on. Get me on the show. You're always invited on the okay. J.P. Peterson show and on the Sports Web. Anytime you want to come on, you let me know. Hey, I want to come on. You're on. Are you guys? Are you guys there every? You guys there every Monday night? Every Monday night, you should come out next. I week. will be out there. I promise. Yep, yeah. because because I had your guy J.P. Peterson on my podcast this week, Powers Sports Podcast. And the Florida Football Insiders podcast. So check those out, folks, on your favorite podcast platforms, Powers on Sports, Florida Football Insiders, as well as this podcast. Your guy, JP, was my guest on both podcasts this week, talking some college football and the NFL and the Ray Stadium deal as well. Oh, the Ray Stadium deal. Oh, my God. He will talk about that until the cows come home. The great thing about this remote is, as you know, I've got these four professional mics. We got two mics. We also have a fan mic in okay. the background there. So we got crazy fans that come up. They're drunk or they're. Well, we had some. I will be there, Peter Blake, in the next two weeks, either this Monday or the following Monday. Right. I will be there. I promise. Book it. Sounds good, my friend. All right, let's let's get to New Orleans. New Orleans comes into the game. They lose to uh, a heartbreaker in Green Bay, eighteen seventeen. Derek Carr gets hurt in the uh, third quarter, shoulder injury, most likely not going to play. We don't know that for sure, but all indications are he's not going to play. So that means our boy Jameis is back in the mix. How ironic is it? He's been in New Orleans, what, three years now? And on two different occasions, he's been the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It has not worked out well for him because he's turned over the ball last year. He got hurt in the game, I believe. Two years ago, maybe. Two years ago, ago. yeah. White, of course, in the postseason game, he did throw a trick touchdown there, which everybody was up in arms. Oh, my God, he got rid of Jameis Winston. Yeah, you got Tom Brady, and he still won the game. Relax. So you're exactly right. There's always that – yeah, that uh, that that uh, wanting to prove that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made a mistake by getting rid of him. He's going to be hyped up, and you know when Jameis is hyped up, you know there's two things that happen. He's hyped up. He may throw an interception early. May throw a pick six. Can also make some great throws still. And they got some weapons there. And of course, I believe they also have Alvin Kamara. He's back. Coming back this week. Chipmunk. The chipmunk is back. Off of his three-game suspension. 
but three game suspension, which he should have been putting jail for and suspended. Well, easy, easy now. Ridiculous, man. Come on. So, so Kamara's back. Yeah. Uh, again, all four teams in the NFC South lost last week. So the Bucks and Bucks, Atlanta, and New Orleans are all tied two and one. Again, critical division game here. Uh, if you can win this game going into the bye, you'll be three and one. You'll have the division edge on the Saints, obviously. Um, you know, head to head already. Again, a winnable game here if you're the Buccaneers. Um, you know, injuries are concerned. Jamel Dean, we don't know his status. We don't know if Carlton Davis is going to be able to play uh, this week. If they, if both those guys can't play, that will be tricky in the secondary. Um, Kalijah Cansey, we don't know the status, but I will say. Don't be surprised if the Bucs hold out Cansey one more week to give him the extra bye week to re fully recover from a calf injury. You want him you want him healthy for, for 13 or 14 games, not one game, and then potentially hurt himself again. So I would not expect Cansey to play. I think offensively they're pretty healthy. I don't think they've they really had much on the injury front on the offensive side. It's the defensive secondary, especially at corner, is of concern. And you hope that Carlton Davis does play in this game because uh, you want him to match up against one of those number one wide receivers, and we know he can do it. Jamel Dean, I don't think he's going to play. I don't know. I don't know. Shoulder issue. That's not. That's not usually a one week recovery. No, no, definitely not. And especially when you're working out William Jackson the third, who also had his fair share of injury troubles there with a bulging disc last year. But we know there's potential there that when he is healthy that he can be productive. So we'll see if the Bucks sign one of those players. Of course, D. Delaney yep. practicing today. He was a little yep. bit banged up. So right now, early on in the season, and I guess that's a good thing about it, maybe a blessing in disguise, you get all the injuries out of the way, and now you can worry, and you got the bye week here coming up after the Saints game if you take care of business. And you listen to Baker today, how important it is to go 3-1, and because you go 3-1, and one, you go into that bye mm -hmm. week, you got that rest, you can get healthy, and you face the Lions for that creamsicle game. You got to feel good about it. And you would take a three and one at the Yeah, game. absolutely. <laughs> so if you're the Bucks defense, let's go a couple defensive matchups and then a couple offensive things. You're the Bucks defense. Again, Alave and Thomas are threats on the outside. Obviously, depending on what the corner situation will dictate what kind of defense Todd Bowles calls. But as you know and I know over the years, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield has been a problem for the Buccaneers, whether that's Devin White, whether that's a safety, or whether that's Levante. you got to contain, and you know he's going to be ju juiced up and amped up to play, having not played in the first three weeks. Containing Kamara will be critical for the Buck defense. It's the probably the biggest thing for them because, again, if your defense and your staple is to stop the rushing game, which coming into the Philly game, you're second in the National Football League. I don't know what you are now after that game. Uh, you've got to maintain that. And Kamara, we know, has been a thorn in the side of this Buccaneer defense and this Buccaneer team. So it's time to stop the run, put the onus on Jameis Winston, get after him, and do – Force him to do what he wants to do against this Bucks defense, Jason Powers, which is turn over the ball and make those risky throws that we've seen for five years when he was a Buccaneer quarterback. Here's what I'll say too: I don't. I think if if you have cornerback issues, you're not gonna. You shouldn't be blitzing a whole lot. So play more coverage, and this is to put the onus on the front four. This is where you get paid, Shaq, Joe, JTS, Anthony Nelson. Let's go here, Vita Vea. They, the offensive line for New Orleans and pass protection has not been good in three weeks. Carr got hurt because of the pass protection. This is an opportunity here if you're the front four to get some heat on Jameis. Make him force a ball. Play coverage behind Jameis. You can't expose these corners to man-to-man -man with Olave and Mike Thomas. 
Uh, so don't blitz a whole lot if you're Todd Bowles. Front four, it's time to get busy here this week in New Orleans. You're exactly right. I mean, you got Logan Hall, you got JTS who underperformed versus Philly. Could you see both of them stepping up this week? It would be nice. And it would also be nice to get back Kalijah Cansey, who practiced. We'll see if he'll be ready to go. Because again, we've seen this young rookie, what he can do when he's healthy. But is he healthy enough? We shall see on Sunday. Let's go to the offensive side. The Saints got a legit defense. I think they've gone either 10 or 12 games in a row where they haven't allowed 20 points. So, again, this is probably not going to be a shootout kind of – this is going to probably be a 21-17 kind of game, you would think. And that's – you know, which means we've got to show some creativity when you have the opportunities. And, again, a key matchup in this, in this series over the last several years, Mike Evans and Lattimore. Don't get into the nonsense, Mike Evans, with Lattimore. Don't get, you know, you, we, he's been ejected from a game before. Go play. Make the catches you got to make. Go earn that $25 million payday that you want in these contested balls. There's going to be two or three contested balls. You got to go beat La Marshawn Lattimore. I agree. And look, if they bracket coverage towards him, this is where Chris Godwin has to step up, and he's been relatively quiet. So I expect him to have a big game. And I think Chris Godwin is the guy that's going to have a big game versus that Saints secondary. And I want to see, here's what I want to see too in the, in the play calling. Let's get Trey Palmer with all that speed, whether it's in the slot or on the outside, let's get him matched up in favorable matchups, whether it's a third corner or a safety, and let's throw a ball over the top to Trey Palmer. We've not seen one of those yet to Trey Palmer, and we know he's a sprinter and can catch the ball. Let's get some matchups where we can throw a ball over the top, whether it's a deep post or a you know go route, whatever it is. Let's get Trey Palmer more involved than he's been. I know Devin Tompkins, we like him, and he's a good returner, but I like Trey Palmer better as the three receiver. I agree, and it starts up front with Luke Gedeke. I mean, he's got a tough matchup with Cam Jordan. Shut him up, please. Shut yep. him up. Don't let him get after Baker Mayfield. Don't let this defense control the line of scrimmage like they did against Philadelphia. So that's my matchup to watch there. Luke Gedeke, Tristan Wirfs. You may see Cam Jordan go to both sides. You know, Tristan Moore shut him down. Let's see if Luke Gedeke can do the same thing. You got to handle the crowd noise, too, because it'll be jacked up in New Orleans. They'll, they'll, that'll be a riled-up crowd there, at 1 o'clock game. All right, Peter Blake, give me a prediction. We've got about two minutes left to go here. All right, let's go. Uh, I go 23-17 Tampa Bay over the Saints. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go similar score. I'm going to go 24-24-7. I'm going to go 24-20, a late touchdown. By Baker gets it done. I won't say a two-minute drill, but mid mid fourth quarter. I like and let's get a special teams play too. Let's break a long return, something like that, to get some electricity and keep that crowd out of the game. Baker, keep doing what you're doing. Don't throw the ball in traffic. Take the check down, but don't be so scared to throw a ball down the field. Let's get Trey Palmer a couple deep throws and let's go. Bucks 24-20. Buck coverage 98 Rock and Tampa Bay. TJ Gene and Dave on the call. Buccaneer app. No quarter-given podcast next week. We will have a bi-week edition, even though we're off next week. And buckpower.com for all the stats, post-game, audio, video, all the great. And thanks, Paul Stewart, for the nuggets about the games this week. And Peter Blake. Yes. Let's get to three and one heading to the bye week so you can have a part so you can party like it's 1999 on Sunday night, baby. I love it. There you go. Sounds good to me, man. All right, Buck fans, we'll see you next time. No quarter-given podcast. We're heading to three and one. If you're going to New Orleans, make some noise in the Superdome, babe. We'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Bucks. 
Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.